Good morning, folks. How are you today? Hey, you look fantastic. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, please take them and turn with me to Psalm 103, please. Psalm 103. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about what does it mean to be actually thankful? And we're going to look at a, a, a song or a psalm that was written by one of the great leaders in Israel, David, who was king at the time as he wrote this. Um, as you're turning, uh, thinking about Thanksgiving, um, I received a text this morning from a good friend, Joe Heiberger, today, and he said, the text said this, it was a meme, and it said this, I have a lot to be thankful for for Thanksgiving, but I want to give a special shout out for elastic weight waistbands come this Thursday, right? <laughs> How many is ready for the Thanksgiving meal? Yeah, that's right. So today, in Psalm 1 and 103, we're going to look at a large portion of this passage, but I want to read to you the first two verses and the last couple of verses in it. Starting at verse 1, David says this, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Verse 20, praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, we thank you so far for what you have done and how your spirit has been with us. Remain with us, touch our lives in such a special way where your word will come alive to us today. Anoint us to receive it, I pray. God, I pray that you would anoint the words you've given me to say, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, so you truly may accomplish your perfect will, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like holidays, like Thanksgiving, slips up on us. I mean, it's not a surprise. It comes right about the same time every year, you know? But it feels like it just gets here so fast, and you don't know why. And you feel so rushed that you really have to take a moment to get into sort of a spirit or an attitude of thanksgiving or gratitude in this. One of my favorite stories um, that I read a few years ago was of a young lady who wrote home for college just as she was coming home for Thanksgiving. She says, dear mom, sorry I haven't written sooner, but my arm has been really hurting. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky though. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days, but Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He's been so nice, but I must admit that I am pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive the news and put it in proper perspective. <laughs> Sometimes I'm afraid we treat gratitude in Thanksgiving as something to mitigate bad circumstances instead of it being a lifestyle that should be implemented in our lives on a daily basis. David, the king, gets all of this. 
And he understands that gratitude and thanksgiving and a thankful heart ought to be a part of our lives. Listen, it literally will change your life if your life is filled with gratitude, if you have a thankful heart. Here's some of the statistics I came across based on gratitude and thanksgiving. 70% of employees would feel better about themselves if their boss were more grateful. 81% said they would actually work harder. People who experience more gratitude actually report fewer symptoms of depression and stress. Regular journaling or writing down of things you're grateful for has been shown to result in 5 to 10% increase in optimism and 25% increase in sleep quality. How many would like some better sleep in your life? 53% of employees said they would stay at their companies longer if they felt more appreciated. Studies show that gratitude reduces toxic aggression, frustration, and regret even if you have to receive negative news. In a study of 800 descriptive trait words, grateful was rated in the top 4% of all words that we used to describe. Grateful, top 4%. Over 90% of American teens and adults indicated that expressing gratitude made them extremely happy or somewhat happy. If gratitude is that good for us, Why is it so hard to see it in other people's lives? Why is it so hard sometimes to implement it in our own lives? Well, gratitude just doesn't happen. A thankful heart just doesn't happen. It actually is conditioned. And David says in Psalm 103, he says, you have to condition your heart in order to be grateful to God for all the things that he's done for you and for who he is. As a matter of fact, another translation says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Isn't it interesting? This is a song that is being written. This is a song that is going to be sung. And David said the importance of this song is not to tell everybody else to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, all that is within me. Bless his name. David is talking to himself, inviting the people who read and who sing this song to talk to themselves and say, bless the Lord. So how do you develop this spirit of gratitude? How do you develop uh, develop a thankful heart? How do you have a spirit and an attitude of thanksgiving in your life, not just based on the calendar, but based on every single day of you walking in your fellowship with Jesus Christ. David said he's learned three things in this. The first one is this. He says, if you want to have a spirit of gratitude, a thankful heart, you have to remember what God has done for us. As a matter of fact, look at what he says. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget all the good things that he does for me. The word good things or benefits, depending on whatever translation it is that, means literally the result or the work of God's hands. As a direct result of God being in my life. And then he begins to list out all the things God's done. And then here's what he says. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Now, if we're not careful, 
we'll just use this in a daily reading. And we'll go through it so fast, we don't realize what he's saying. We don't realize the things that David is pointing out to us are deep. These are not just written in poetry. They're not just written for a song. These have come from deep introspection of a man who realizes all the things God has done for us. When he says that he forgives all my sins, he doesn't just mean that he's numbered them all out and says, okay, I think you've got 463 that I need to forgive. That, that's, it's not the numeric value of that. It is the t- totality of not only the number of sins, the gravity of the, my sins, the, the buildup of living a sinful life and living in a sinful state for so long. He says, he forgives all of that. Even when I walked away from him, he has forgiven the totality of all of my sins and he's forgiven all of the punishment that was due to me because of those things. This is so much greater than just trying to think, I wonder how many sins number-wise he's forgiven me of. He's forgiven all of the things that it did to my heart when I was living in a sinful state. And I stand forgiven. He goes on to say, he heals all my diseases. Heals literally means, the, the, the word picture of that word in Hebrew is that he sews me back together like a surgeon. It's not that you're never going to face sickness or disease. It's not that. It's that he has the ability to intercede at any point in time because he's greater than any disease or sickness you will ever face. Now, if you're here and you've lost a loved one to a sickness or disease and you say, well, what about that? You also have to understand scripture in the totality of scripture, which means Psalm 139, he writes and tells us that all our days are numbered before we are ever born. So for the believer, there's no such thing as a disease cutting the life of a believer short. You will fulfill the purpose and your destiny of your life. Disease does not have control over you. Sickness does not have control over you. For the believer, you may have to walk in it. You may have to go through it. But I'm telling you something. You will not succumb to any sickness till the Lord says it's time to come home. Because his power is greater. Because his authority is more. And because he has the answer to everything, he literally will sew you back together in your deepest places of wound. He goes on to say, he redeems my life from the death. The word, I know we say he purchased and that's it. But to redeem means that I buy it back. I had it, I don't have it anymore and I'm gonna buy it back. That's what redeem means. It is such a picture of our lives. He redeems my life from death. That means that my original intent that that God destined for all of us was to walk with him in relationship and closeness, but sin began to separate that. And even though he owned us, he created us, he allowed us to go our way. But then he said, I will redeem you and pay another price for you so that you can come back to me and live in a right relationship with me. As a matter of fact, there is such a beautiful picture of this in the Old Testament. The first four chapters describe it. Now, normally I wouldn't recommend reading a prophetic book like Hosea during Thanksgiving. But I'm challenged, go read it. Hosea is a prophet of God and God tells him, he said, that, that Israel has been unfaithful to me. And he says, and here's what I want you to do. So the people can see a picture of this. He says, I want you to go and I want you to find a prostitute and I want you to go marry her. 
and she's going to be unfaithful to you. She's going to be unfaithful to your children. And sure enough, he did it. She was unfaithful. She literally left the life that he gave her after bearing children, bearing children for him, and she goes back into that lifestyle, even becoming a slave. Someone owned her. And then he said, Hosea, I want you to go now, and I want you to go find her, and I want you to buy her back, and I want you to bring her back into this relationship. He said, because that's what I do for my people. You know what the interesting thing is? The price that he paid to get his wife back, 15 shekels of silver, 40 gallons of barley and some wine. He literally didn't have the cash to buy her back because the barley and the wine were worth 15 shekels of silver. The cost of a slave in the Old Testament was 30 shekels or pieces of silver. There is another time that 30 pieces of silver is referenced. It's in the New Testament when Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and Jesus literally becomes the slave to pay the price for your sins and my sins so that you and I could walk out redeemed, whole, and in a right relationship with God. He redeems my life from death. That means he has repurchased me through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now I can be all that I was meant to be. You can be all that you were meant to be because sin, because of Christ, sin in your past doesn't have to determine your destiny. You can rediscover the purpose and the destiny because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And David said, never forget it. Never forget it. He crowns me with love and tender mercy. That literally means grace. He covers your life with his love and his grace. He fills my life with good things. It literally means the things that bring true joy in my life. You understand? It's not about everything you're searching after. It's not all about all the stuff that the world is searching after. God fills my life with only the things that I need that brings me true joy and true happiness. He renews my youth and my strength. He says like the eagles. Now, I don't know about you. If you read that and you think, you know what? I'm a little tired these days. I could use a little more strength. You're not getting it. This is not talking about going back and getting the strength of your teenage years or your 20s or something like that. That's not it. How many of you have ever thought that? If I could just have that amount of strength. How many of you ever, you got a three-year-old or a four-year-old, you thought, if I could just have that amount of energy in my life, right? Yeah, and then I realized if I had that amount of energy, I'd pull a muscle, right? You know, that, that's not what it's talking about. No, what it's talking about is this. It is restoring what once was and restoring what you thought was gone in your life. That God literally restores that strength to your life. It may be strength, but it's not just physical strength. It is emotional strength. It is spiritual strength. What you thought was gone because of the troubles and the heartache and maybe the sin in your life, God still renews that strength and gives you spiritual vitality once again. Your emotional well-being, if you've just been over and over just facing things over and over again, and you feel like you have just been beat down and beat down and beat down, and you think, 
Am I ever going to have the joy that I once had? God can renew all of that, renew your emotional, your emotional strength. He can renew all the joy that you think has been depleted out of your life. All of the dreams and the aspirations that you once, that you thought were going to happen. And because of circumstances or difficulties or trials in your life, you think I'm never going to have those again. The Bible says that he can come in and restore every dream, every aspiration and bring it to full fruition in your life. David says, don't ever forget that. More than anything, you are never too far gone for Jesus to save you and for Jesus to bring about his purpose and his plan for your life. David said, don't, don't forget that. And he gives righteousness and justice to all, especially the oppressed. If you ever find yourself thinking, how long is it going to take for that person to get justice? If you ever find yourself thinking to yourself, how long will it be? David says that he has lived a long time and he has watched God's righteousness and his faithfulness and his justice come through for the oppressed. He says, don't ever forget all of the things God has done for you. But then he says, remember all the things God has done for you. But he says, there's a second thing you've got to do. And that is to remember who God is. Who God is. In verses 8 through 13, here's what it says. He says, the Lord is. This is not about what he's done. He says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He doesn't punish us for all our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west because of what? His unfailing love. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So, David makes the connection. He makes a leap from what he has done, the actions of God, to the character of God. He says, why does God do all those things? Because of who he is, his character. And this is the important thing, is when you see something about someone, well, Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, if you want to know who a person is, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, he was talking about prophets. He was talking about people. He said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So what he's saying is this. If you see an apple on a tree, what kind of tree do you think that is? There you go. Thank you, somebody. It's an apple tree. There's no other reason to think it's something other than that because by the fruit, you're going to recognize this. So when Jesus is talking about the fruit of the Spirit, when he says love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. He says, I'm not asking you. He said, that's not what it's about. He says, if you can see those things in a person, he says, here's what you know, that the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit is filling that person and living out the purposes of God in their lives. By their fruit, you will know them. The reason why he lists all the actions is to say, here's who God is, and you can trust him in your life. And do you know what the the bridge is there? Gratitude. I will praise him with all that I am because of these things 
because the Lord is compassionate. He's able to connect the actions with the character of God. When I'm thankful, when I'm thankful, I don't just focus on the blessings of the gift. I focus on the blessing of the giver. Most people will only focus on the things they receive. And David said, I need you to turn it to the one who gives because that's the important one. So how do you bridge that gap? How do you go from seeing the actions and being grateful and thankful for who God is, the fact that he really is good? The third thing I want you to see is in a connecting verse, verse 7. And if you're not careful, you just go right past it and not realize it's connecting two thoughts there. The third thing is, I have to discover God's character in both good and bad times. I have to discover his character in both good and bad times. Character is revealed in the big moments of our lives. Good moments, bad moments, character is revealed during those moments. Those big moments reveal what we truly believe in our lives. Uh, uh, Two and a half years ago, um, you remember there was a pandemic unknown. So we started shutting things down. Businesses shut down, schools shut down. Some for churches had to close for a few weeks and some months, some years we closed for a few weeks. And, and so during that time period though, everybody had to do things differently. I mean, you had to do remote learning for school and churches had to figure out how to do church online. And some church, some churches had not, were not set up for that. And so diligently, you had pastors that would set up a camera in their, in their um, home, and they would just deliver a word from the Lord to people. One of the most ironic and iconic thoughts that I remember on that is there was one pastor who set up his um, camera in his living room, and he was giving a true word. But don't get me wrong, a true word. He was basically telling people, look, God is faithful and there is nothing. You don't have to live by a spirit of fear of the things that are going to happen. Right behind him, though, from floor to ceiling and about eight feet wide were cases upon cases of toilet paper. (laughs) Anybody remember how hard it was to come across toilet paper? So what he was saying was this. You don't have to fear all the things that are coming your way, but just in case, we're stocked. And probably some people were looking at that and going, you bought it all, didn't you, man? I'm having trouble finding that stuff. It reveals big moments. They reveal what we truly believe, not just what we say, what we believe in those moments. Here's what the passage said. So you've got the action. He said, don't forget all those benefits and list them all out. And then he says, and don't remember, remember who God is. He's compassionate. It's like a father to his children. Verse seven says this, God revealed his character to Moses. He revealed, God revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Verse seven, look, God revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. If you're not, if you're not careful, you'll just blaze past that and think, I don't know what that has to do with. He revealed his character to Moses, his deeds to the people. And here's the thing. Moses and the people saw every one of his deeds. They all saw his deeds. They saw the miracles. 
They saw the plagues that, that he put on the Egyptian people and on Pharaoh. They saw them as he brought them out. They saw God part the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry land. They saw God destroy the armies of Pharaoh when they tried to cross the Red Sea. They saw all of that. They saw as they got over and began to, uh, they were worried about um, uh, not finding water. They saw God bring water out of a rock. They saw God bring wafers of nutrition and lay them on the ground. So all they had to do was get up in the morning and go get them. It was so unheard of that they called it manna. The word manna simply means what is it? We've never seen anything. That literally means, what is it? Never seen anything like it. And when they complained about manna, he sent quail so they could go down. He sent them on the ground. They walked out, grabbed them. They didn't fly away, and they were able to eat meat. Listen, he, they did all of this. Moses saw it. They saw it. And yet they, the people, constantly were saying, why did God bring us out into this desert to die? We could have died in Egypt. Verse seven, God revealed his character to Moses and the deeds to the people. So what does Moses see? And how does Moses connect the actions of God, the power of God with the presence of God? Way back in Exodus, when it's describing the scene as they're leaving, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses and said, tell the people, they want to know who I am. Tell them. I want to invite them to this holy mountain where I'm going to come down on. Ask them to come. They can't come all the way up to the mountain, but I want you to come. Have a barricade set there and tell them, consecrate themselves, get themselves, sanctify yourselves for three days and three nights. Get yourselves ready and then come and meet with me and I will meet with the people and I will show them who I am. And the people get ready and they come to the base of the mountain, but they refuse to go up any higher than that because they were afraid. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 and 19 says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen but don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. Why does the passage say that he reveals his character to Moses and his deeds to his people? Because Moses trusted God when God said, come close to me in the wilderness. The people said, we fear God, because we've seen his power. And Moses is trying to tell them, oh, no, no, no. His power is just to show you his presence. But they refused. You know, we often talk about the wilderness, that it's all bad. The wilderness is the time between where he brought you from to where he's taken you to. It's the time between Egypt and the promised land. It's the time between the freedom and the fulfillment of the purpose. Not all bad things were happening in the wilderness. They were there 40 years. 40 years. There were young men and women falling in love, getting married, having weddings and celebrating. There were people having children, rejoicing, grandparents doting over children. All of these things are happening in the wilderness. 
And there were trials that were going on at the same time. And it's during these good times and these bad times, God is beckoning his people. Come close to me. And I'll show you who I really am. Moses connected because Moses trusted God. And when God said, come up the mountain, Moses said, I will. I'd rather overcome my fear and be near you. The people said, we are so afraid. We'd rather you talk and you tell us. Jesus Christ in the New Testament did not come and die on a cross so you could have a secondary relationship with God. He came to break down the bonds and the walls that separated you from the Lord so that you could be reconciled to the Father once again. And even in your difficult times, God is beckoning you. Come close to me. And not only will you see my power, you can feel my presence. In the 1970s, there was a great art, great Christian artist. His name was Andre Crouch. And it was a great song called Through It All. But I love the bridge. Because the bridge says, I thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys. And I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. Because if I'd never had a problem, I'd never know I had a God who could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God can do. David says, you need to practice this habit. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's why David tells everyone, you can enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And he's inviting you today. Draw near in the good and the bad times. And you will experience not only his power, you can experience his presence and you'll know the character of who God really is. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? If you're here today in the room or watching online and you know that when you came in here, when you started watching, that things aren't right between you and the Lord, the Lord really is drawing you today. And if that's you, you just simply need to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that you have done in my life. I thank you that you are truly good, even if my circumstances don't feel good at this time. I thank you that you are truly good. And so I yield my life to your Lordship. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, do what your word says as far as the east is from the west. Remove my sins from me. But God, I just don't want a removal of sins. I want a closeness of your presence. Be the leader of my life. Lead me through your word and through your spirit so I will never be the same. Now I'm gonna ask everyone in the room and at home just to pray these prayers with me and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. 
Now, with your head still bowed and eyes still closed, if that's you, you know when you came in here, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you're making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you, I want to pray for you this week. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand really high so I can see it, and I want to pray for you this week. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. Just keep them up just for a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. 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 All right, you can put them down. Father, I thank you for lives that have been changed and redeemed because of what Christ has done. I pray now, Lord, that any weight of sin or shame be lifted off of their shoulders and the joy you said that would be unspeakable and full of glory would rest in their hearts. Peace would rest in their minds. And I thank you for these changed lives. May you do wonderful and mighty things with them. For every person in this room, Lord, I pray that we would have a contemplative heart this week as we remember all you've done for us. We remember who you are and we dare to draw close to you in good and bad times. Make us so aware this week of your goodness. Lord, maybe it's in the the blessings of family, a job. Maybe it's in the blessings of knowing that what's next in our lives, you have complete control. Lord, if there are people who are undergoing difficulty, they've lost a job, God, I pray that you would just send peace into their hearts and minds. Some that are going through financial trouble, I pray, God, that you would just provide for them as only you can provide for them. Lord, if they have sickness in their body, I pray for healing in their body in the name of Jesus. Lord, especially this time of year, if relationships have been broken, God, be the mender of those relationships, I pray. Knit them together again like a surgeon knits together a wound, O Lord. I pray, God, for those that um, as they celebrate joyfully Thanksgiving, Lord, maybe this year brings a tinge of pain and circumstances in their lives. Be very near and real this year to them, I pray. And Lord, above all else, I pray that we never forget that the Lord is good and his mercy towards us endures forever. And for all these things, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, can you celebrate with me today? Three people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. On your way out this morning, um, we've got some of our sanctuary hosts and guest services. They've got some of these. Grab one of these. This has all of the calendar of events. It's got an advent calendar of things that you can particularly do. Um, for um, uh, the Christmas season, but it lists everything from now all the way through to um, January 1st. So I uh, hope you'll pick up one of these. Normally, I am, uh, I usually take the Sunday after Thanksgiving off, um, but this year I um, decided to change it up just a little bit, and so I'll be here next Sunday. And so if you're in town, would love to see you here and love to worship the Lord Jesus with you. If you are traveling, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving season, and may God's grace, His favor, his anointing, and his blessing just rest down on you this year. Before you leave, allow me the privilege to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Happy Thanksgiving. Love you guys. Have a great one.